Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. Are you desperate for some healing? Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And let my Jesus change your life. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. Who can wipe away the tears from broken dreams and wasted years until the past to disappear? Oh, let me tell you about my Jesus and all the wrong turns that you would. Go and undo if you could Who can work them all for your good Let me tell you about my Jesus Cause he makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can save Let me tell you about my Jesus His love is strong and his grace is free And the good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And let my Jesus change your life. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 Who would take my cross at Calvary? Pay the price for all my guilty Who would care that much about me Let me tell you about my Jesus Cause he makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can't save Let me tell you about my Jesus his love is strong and His grace is free And the good news is I know that He can do for you what He's done for me Let me tell you about my Jesus And let my Jesus change your life Hallelujah 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 Amen Help me give the King of Kings and Lord of Lords the glory that's due his name. Amen. Stand to your feet, put your hands together, and worship him and praise his holy name. He's worthy, he's holy, he's powerful, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's the rose of Sharon, he's the lily of the valley, he's the bright and morning star, he's my Savior, and he's my Lord. I need somebody to praise the Lord this morning, for he is worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Woo. Amen. Mm. Thank you, church. Father, we just want to thank you for your presence. It is evident that you want to speak to us this morning. We welcome you. And we ask now that you would speak. But Lord, don't just let us get by with hearing a sermon and it not touching us and changing us. But may it become shoe leather in our lives that we might put it to practice. Arrest us, O Holy Ghost. If we are in violation of your word, arrest our souls this morning. 
until we repent. Let Jesus pay the fine. Restore us to service. Prepare our hearts now for this word. Help me to preach it as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 1. If you find your place in Mark 1, would you stand in reverence the reading of God's word? We'll read three or four verses together as we stand, and you can uh, sit for the remainder of the sermon. We're in Mark chapter 1. And uh, I just believe in following the Lord. Amen. So uh, we have our little outline, and that's cute and all, but sometimes the Lord's got different plans, and we just try to be obedient to his voice. And, uh, you know, some people, some Baptists especially, for some reason, don't think God speaks to you today. Seriously. Y'all know better. I know better. But there's some people that literally think that if it ain't, you know, right there in black and white wrote down then God ain't said nothing different than that but how many of you know God's a relevant God meaning he'll take this Bible make it practical for you and he'll speak to you now he'll never speak that's how, how I want to word this God will never speak off script in term, or no 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 he'll never speak out of script but he can speak off script in other words God's got much to say to you about what's written in that Bible, but he may personalize it. For example, Matthew 28. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. But for Gary Caudle, on the first Sunday in July of 2021, it was go ye to Thompson, Georgia. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He'll personalize it. It, it, wasn't, it, was, it fit within the confines of his word. It was not contradictory to it, but it was specific to me. How many of you want God to speak to you specifically today? Raise your hand. Amen. God, help us this morning. Now look in your Bible, Mark chapter 1, and verse number 29. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John, but when Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and Anon they tell him of her, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her. And if you've got a King James Bible, read the next few verses with me, words, and she ministered unto them. What happened when the fever broke? She ministered unto them. My assignment's to preach on when the fever breaks. Thinking you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. When the fever breaks. That would be the end goal, should be the end goal of any Christian, any church member, that the Lord would help us to do what we are supposed to do as a healthy individual believer in Christ and as the healthy body of Christ called the church. If you're with me, say amen. If you look up the word fever, you, you, most, most of you know this. When, when your body detects an infection or threat, such as bacteria or viruses, the immune system kicks into high gear, and part of that response involves raising your body's temperature. This increase in temperature can actually help your body fight off the infection more effectively. Here's why. Certain pathogens have a hard time thriving in higher temperatures. And a fever can also stimulate your immune system to work harder. So the purpose of a fever then is not to cause discomfort, though it, is, it certainly can do that. But the purpose is rather to create a less hospitable environment for the offending pathogens. It's a sign that your body is actively working to protect and to heal itself. Amen. Now, I'm going somewhere with this, so just hang tight. 
Let me say this. Jesus' ministry was birthed in fire, and it continues in fire. For example, John the Baptist said in the book of Mark, chapter 1 and verse 8, just a few verses prior to what we read, I indeed have baptized you with water, but he, Jesus, shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And if you go to Matthew 3.11, he added these three words, with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Mm. So Jesus preaching baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire, raised and continues to raise the temperature in his body, the church, to make it difficult for certain pathogens to survive. Now what about that? <laughs> Do you get it? Say amen. Alright, so just as a fever indicates the body's battle against physical illness, Fervent preaching led by the Holy Ghost can signify the church's active struggle against spiritual complacency, false teaching, sin, moral decay, and even more. And just as sometimes the fever in the body is very uncomfortable for us, so also sometimes the red hot preaching of the Word of God makes us very uncomfortable. But a good sign that a church is alive still is that God has sent fiery preaching to address ill-born pathogens that do not belong there. And if you got some red hot preaching that, uh, led by the Holy Ghost, it means God ain't give up on you yet. And you need to rejoice that God's doing a work. Amen. First thing we want to do is for the fever to break. But before the fever breaks, let the fever do its work. It's doing something. It's fixing some things. It's, it's isolating some problems in the body that need to be isolated. And in that, just like the Lord to send his word to heal us. That's what the Bible said that he does. And, and some of you just need to develop the spiritual maturity and the discipline that when your toes get stepped on, number one, realize I'm not aiming for your toes, I'm aiming for your heart, amen. Uh, but when your toes get stepped on, uh, rather than getting furious and mad and, and raising your body temperature, can I get an amen? I, I stop and say, Lord, thank you that I have a pastor that will tell me what I need to hear and not just what I want to hear because we all need the, the working agent of the fiery preaching of God's Word to help us remain healed from all of those things that could creep in and rob us of our spiritual life and vitality. Amen? And so I want to talk to you about three things this morning that raise the temperature in the body of Christ, needfully so. We've already touched on the first one, which is the preaching of the Word of God. I wrote it down this way. We need red-hot preaching. Amen. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now, after John was put in prison, by the way, John also uh, suffering because he was willing to just tell it like it is. Amen. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. You know what I love about this before I read the next verse? What I love about this is the, 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 the kind of preaching that John that put John in prison and caused him to lose his head. Where John was stopped, Jesus picked right up where John left off. Didn't skip a beat, didn't change the message. It was the same thing John the Baptist was preaching. Watch your Bible, verse 15. He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And you know what I've seen from time to time in churches that God's trying to breathe life support into? Uh, they'll reject preacher after preacher after preacher because of what they said uh, and they just can't 
seem to find a preacher that won't stop, that, that'll stop preaching on their pet sins. Amen. And you don't know it's not the preacher, it's the Holy Ghost. And he ain't going to stop saying what he's going to say about his word, no matter which speaker you swap with. Because when God gets ready to send a message to his church, he will send it, to, whether it's through a donkey or through a preacher or through somebody backslid, but he's going to get his voice heard. He's going to send his message. So instead of crucifying the messengers, uh, learn how to respond to the message. And churches across America, you might find and be pleasantly surprised that you don't have to swap a preacher every two years when you start listening to the Holy Ghost that's saying the same thing through every one of them because of the hardness of your heart that you won't listen. Can I get an amen this morning? Woo! Hallelujah! Amen. Oh, we got to get rid of that one. Well, they got rid of John the Baptist. Here comes Jesus. Ah! Amen. God will not be shut up. And you will hear what he has to say if you claim to be his. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I didn't even see that one coming. All right, so we need some red-hot preaching. I thought about Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9. This is the... This is the go-to text for the red-hot preacher uh, in the Old Testament where he said, Then said I, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. The preacher, discouraged. Theologians tell us that Jeremiah had a fruitless ministry in his lifetime that we could not, so far as I can tell, find one convert during his earthly ministry. And how many of you know the fruit of his ministry lives on today? Yeah. Woo, hallelujah. It's not about what happens in your lifetime, by the way. Just plant your seed and let God grow it. You may never see the results, but you got to trust God. But he was discouraged, and he thought that he could get relief from the persecution because he saw that it was the message that was attracting the persecution. So if I... If I drop the message, maybe I can cut out the persecution. I'm tired of this battle. And indeed, it was the message that was giving him persecution. But what he did not realize is that it didn't relieve him at all to, to stop preaching. In fact, it got worse. It got so bad that it was like fire shut up in him. Some people get so tripped out over my style of preaching. Why does he have to be so loud? Why does he have to be the? He may sound more like a Pentecost or something than he does a bat and all this kind of stuff. And they don't understand why I have such a delivery style. And, and all I know to tell you is I kind of relate to Jeremiah. There's a fire inside of me that's got to get out somehow. And if it don't get out, I'm going to bust. Amen? I'm going to bust. So the only relief I have... Amen. You know what Sunday morning is? It's that Holy Ghost pop-off valve. Amen. Releases all that pressure God's built up in me all week long, and I can't wait to tear loose and tell you what God showed me to say next. Amen. And, and, and the only way you're going to get blessed by God is not by repressing or suppressing or oppressing his servant that he sent your way, but aiding him in delivering his message. And the best way you can aid him in delivering his message is by listening to what God said through him and obeying the message. Amen. That's a revelation for some people. I didn't know I could support the preachers by simply just taking them seriously. Yeah. Don't take much. Just take the Word of God and apply it. That's the biggest way you can help a servant of God. This is what God taught me when he birthed in my heart a desire to have a pastor's helps ministry, which is coming down the road, by the way. And in many ways, we're already doing it, just ways that I don't always report to you. Because I know the struggle of the pastor. And one of the things God showed me was the only, way, the only way you can help a preacher is by getting his message heard. The only relief he has is delivering his message. It's right there in the text. What does the second part of the verse say? Uh, let me go back and read it again. He said... Uh, I was weary with, uh, he said, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. Whew. 
The burden of not preaching became greater than the threat of preaching. You know why? You, you, know, you want to know how you know when you've got a man of God? And I'm not tooting my whistle. This, this applies across the board. You know you've got a man of God when he'll preach what God said no matter what it costs him personally. Amen. Praise God. And I thank God that there's still a few good men that God has in his kingdom that stands up and says what needs to be said in a crooked and perverse and wicked generation. Amen. The black is still black. White is still white. Sin is still wrong. Heaven is still, uh, amen, available. Hell is still hot. And Jesus is still the only way and truth in life by which all men need to come to the Father. Amen. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It matters what the Word of God says. Now, we need that kind of preaching. And we got to be careful lest we listen to the subtle lies and deceits and counsel of the unholy trinity of the devil and his, uh, and his uh, inner counsel who would advise you, now you just need to be polite and you just need to be kosher and you just need to bend over backwards and just make your atmosphere inviting and warm. And, 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 and they give you whole uh, how to build a church kits today that tells the preacher nothing about how to preach under the fire of the Holy Ghost and tells them everything about how to cater to the wishes and whims of a general populace. And I'm here to tell you that God is not here to take votes. He's here to be in charge. Amen. And the Word of God is always the Word of God and forever. Shout, God is so perfect, He never said anything wrong. That's the reason the Word never changes. You know why we revise the law, bylaws from time to time? Because man's Word is imperfect. Amen. You know why you don't change God's Word? Because you don't change what was perfect to start with. If there's no room for improvement, then why fix it? Can I get an amen? God, if, if you say God needs to change, then you're saying God was a liar from the beginning. If you say we need to adjust to uh, the way people think today, you're calling God a liar. You're saying God got it wrong to start with. I serve a God that's perfect in every way. He said it right the first time, and he hadn't changed his mind today either. I don't care if the whole world follows after homosexuality and transgenderism and, and, and uh, ordaining, uh, uh, ordaining homosexual pastors and lesbian pastors and all this kind of junk. Excuse me, but when did you have a right to rewrite the laws of God? You are not God, but you will give an account to God, and both knees will be bowed to the Lord Jesus Christ. We better get busy promoting what God said instead of trying to twist it to fit what this generation insists upon having. We need some red-hot preaching. Amen. They've just about purged our systems. Our, they've just about purged our radios from red-hot preaching. Thank God for the few that are there, but for the most part... Man, it's so watered down. And people think pastors pay thousands upon thousands of dollars to go to seminaries just to be taught how to cater to the masses. How to make it work to be diplomatic. And listen, I understand there's a time and a place for diplomacy. I'm not saying there isn't. But you need some discernment. When it comes to that truth and that book and what God expects of us as a church, there's no wiggle room with God. Amen. Hallelujah. So we need some red hot preaching. Number two, we need some red hot praying. Yeah. Uh, now, fever ain't broke yet, but we're going to get there. All right. It's going to take some preaching. It's going to take some praying. James 5, 16, confess your faults one to another. My goodness. You know one of the biggest hindrances to red hot praying is alt against one another? You can tell when you don't like somebody in the church when you're not praying for them. You can't pray for somebody in love and be in good fellowship with them. Try it. Unless you're praying amiss. Something like God put a rash on them. I hope you don't pray like that. You know what I'm talking about rising up in your own self-righteousness and assuming a higher ground and praying, God, 
brings, uh, metaphorically speaking, I'm not talking about literally, uh, pray, well, God, teach them, Lord, teach them, teach them. God may force you to look in the mirror and quit talking about everybody else. Amen. The reason churches have lost their power not only because they've dropped red-hot preaching, but they've dropped red-hot praying. And what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about noise decibel. I'm not talking about volume physically. I'm talking about a fervor and a passion that rises up within because of your devotion to the Lord and your desperate need for Him and your desire to connect with the heart of God in prayer. Amen. And you can't talk to God if your relationship ain't too good with Him either. Amen. The prodigal son couldn't talk to his father because he's in a far country. How many of you have stopped praying because you know you're not doing right? How many of you have stopped praying for your church and praying for your pastor and praying for your deacons and praying for your Sunday school teacher because somebody made you mad and you're just going to sit there and fester because you know you're supposed to be at church, but you ain't happy about it? You need some red-hot praying. I'm talking about the kind of praying to where you say, Search me, oh God, and know my heart within. Amen. Uh, where you say and invite the good Holy Spirit of God, turn the spotlight on and show me where I'm wrong so I can get it right and confess it and get it under the blood and get up and move on. I'm tired of being lonely. I'm tired of being in the far country. I'm tired of feeling distant from my Father because I want to allow sin to fester in my life. I'm ready to confess my sin. I'm ready to forsake it. Amen. I, uh, there might be some men in this church that you're, you've got the habit of pornography and you need deliverance over that. Amen. You need to get it under the blood. You need to come before Him every single instance, every single moment where you're tempted or cave into it. And you need to start praying fervently in the presence of God, asking God, don't run from His presence for help. Run to His presence for help. You say, God would not want to invite me into His room right now because I've been a bad boy. That's where you're wrong. He's an operator. Amen. He's a healer. He exists to fix you. Amen. If you'll come to Him with your chains, your helmets, amen, all those things those foreign agents that's made you sick spiritually the healer can take the red hot fervent prayer that you offer up to him pleading for help and he can do something for you that you can't do for yourself amen, red hot preaching confess your faults one another pray for one another that you may be healed, don't tell me God can't heal, I've seen him do it the factual fervent prayer the Bible says of a righteous man availeth much. And I love it because then he gives us an illustration right there in the text. Made my job easy as a preacher. Amen. Elias, also known as Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Man, God answered that prayer, didn't he? And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain. The earth brought forth her fruit. He's talking about effectual, fervent prayer. Now, I said it's not about noise decibel and about raising your voice physically, but I think sometimes that might help some folk just to break the ice. Just go in a closet. I'm talking about where nobody will hear you but God, and just start lifting your voice up to him. See if it don't help you pray. Because when you start vocalizing, it helps you eliminate some of those other distractions that invade your imagination. Because it's harder to pray in your thoughts than it is when you're speaking them out. So there's something strategic about calling out to the Lord. He loves to hear your voice. And yes, not just the voice of your heart. He loves to hear that physical voice if you got one. And if you don't have a physical voice, amen, flag them down, praise God. If you don't, don't have arms to flag them down, smile at them real big. And again, amen, he'll hear your language however you need to communicate to him. But he wants to hear from you, and he wants you to come in with fervent petition. Uh, think of fervency as aggression, uh, as, as an appetite, and as, uh, as, uh, as a way of raising the temperature one of the I'll never. I'm glad I was raised in a shouting Baptist church, and here's why. Amen. Amen. 
Praise God. I, I'm glad I was. I, I realize some people shout and they don't know what they're shouting about. I know all that. Amen. Uh, but it's still, the counterfeit don't uh, give reason to eliminate the genuine either. Amen. Uh, next time you say, I don't think they should shout in church because who knows, they, don't e they may not even have be right with God. Next time you use that excuse for not praising God, I tell you what you start doing. You stop spending your hard-earned money because there's counterfeits in circulation. And praise God, you shouldn't spend that money because there's counterfeits. See how the logic works? Amen. Just because there's a, a hypocrite don't mean you have to be one. Amen. They might be shouting and just putting on a show just to be seen and heard of men. Amen. That didn't stop blind Bartimaeus from shouting to the top of his lungs, uh, amen, asking Jesus to come heal him of his blindness. Amen. There's some that are genuine. There's some, here's, here's a solution for that. Just be real and put them in the hands of God. I don't know if they're real or not, but I'm going to be real. And I'm certainly not going to. Anyway, back to the story about shouting Baptist. Uh, <laughs> uh, I could be upstairs, and if I missed the men's prayer meeting, I could feel the floor beneath me shaking when the men got to praying out loud because they didn't pray in a little cute circle one at a time in, in low tones and humble and I mean they're like oh God in the name of Jesus we pray that you would lift the roof off of this place oh God if you don't come down we won't have revival don't let us go on without your presence and then about five or six or eight or ten or twelve or twenty of them light into praying like that all at the same time and next thing you know, the whole roof is rattling, amen. You feel, and you walk up in there, and there's something about, I can't tell you, I'm not saying that we got to manufacture this stuff. Amen, it's got to be real. But what I am saying is it made an impression on me as a young man. I Because I, as a young man, was convinced that they were serious about their prayer life. How can you convince others that you're serious if you have no passion whatsoever exuding from your presence? Can I, can I get an amen? Sometimes it's about not only making an impression upon the heart of God, but it is making an impression on your children. You want them to see that this is something worth fighting for. This is something worth grasping for, and you're serious about it. And I, I'm not proposing that we all start a new formality of prayer that makes you feel awkward and stand. I'm not, I, listen, don't, don't get scared. I'm just trying to simply say, in principle, we need to pray with fervency. Amen. One of the things I regret is that my children, in some ways, don't have the same experience with me as I had with my dad. I would stand at the edge of the driveway waiting on the school bus to come pick me up, and I could hear my daddy down in the holler praying. He was lifting up his voice, screaming like God couldn't hear him. But it was just his passion. You know why I'm such a fireball? Partly because my daddy was. He showed me how to do it with all your heart or don't do it at all. And I respect that. I'd rather have somebody a little bit zealous with a, maybe needing a little uh, refinery, amen, than someone that's completely polished but has no zeal whatsoever. David was that. Study the men God used. They were all very passionate for God. Peter was so passionate. when They were all scared that that was a ghost out on the water. And, and as soon as he said uh, you know, who he was, Jesus was like, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come out there. See how passionate he was. He's ready to walk on water with you. Well, Jesus can do it. I can do it with his help. Amen. And, and he's the only one recording all of Scripture or human history that's ever done that. Where's your passion in prayer? Will you say, Lord, bid me to come unto thee? That's what prayer is. That's what fervent prayer is. Lord, bid me to come unto thee. It's not my brother. It's not my sister. But it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. You want to know what will fix every problem this church has? It is fervent prayer of the saints. Amen. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm going to initiate a 6 a.m. prayer time, Monday through Friday, online, Facebook Live. I'll lead it. Anybody that's up 
and you want to volunteer to join in with me in that prayer time, we're going to have to start praying as a church if we want to see God give us the breakthroughs we need. I got to I got to be at work at eight. Amen. I got to start up early. Now here's the point: if you can't be there at six, still find you a spot that you can dedicate. 30 minutes to an hour to just talk to God on behalf of your church. Amen. I don't know about you. I'm paying attention. God wants to do a lot around here. But we've got our obstacles. Amen. Most of those obstacles can be burnt out through a fevered prayer life. Just pray it out. Because what God wants to do is give us that next phase when the fever breaks. You lay it all up in your bed of affliction. You can't be nowhere near close to what God wanted you to be. Laying up there with bitterness in your heart, unforgiveness, hard feelings, uh, you know, strong-headedness. We all have these things, don't we? Different things along the way that prohibit us from coming together in unity and it's nothing but a foreign agent and God sending me just about every week amen to to peel your hide with the Bible and you're getting sick and tired of it and all I'm trying to tell you is if you would get it right with God maybe I wouldn't have to preach so hard all the time amen can we put it that way very respectfully not not humble not not boastfully I'm look I need as much help as anybody in here I'm just a messenger I preach a truth that's higher than myself. I'm reaching for the same thing you are. Amen. But hear me when I tell you, the fever don't go away until the illness does. Mm, fervent preaching. Then that leads into fervent prayer. Now we're talking to God. And now we're where we need to be. We're under the operating table of the good Holy Ghost. And then comes some healing. And then comes some restoration. And then comes the ability. And I love what the text said. The Bible said that when Jesus walked in the room where Peter's mother-in-law had a fever, he didn't even, the Bible doesn't record that he said anything. He just took her by the hand and lifted her up. And I'm telling you, you know what I hear the Holy Ghost saying right now? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why kickest thou against the pricks? The Lord is essentially saying, why are you fighting your healer? Why are you fighting the antidote for your problem? Y'all all know the people that refuse to go to the doctor under most any circumstance and we all fuss about it, especially if it's our parents you better get over there and see that doctor because we know that the doctor has good intentions in mind I'm telling you today that the Lord Jesus has good intentions in mind he wants to help us as a church sometimes we're fighting and kicking and resisting the leadership of the Holy Ghost. And, 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 and sometimes uh, I'll rub you further the wrong way because I come in here, amen, and don't pay no attention to Southern Baptist uh, bylaw style. I just preach the word and say, praise God, let's go for Jesus. And y'all are like, put some brakes on that joker. We're going too fast. Amen. And I'm not trying intentionally to make anybody, but I make a lot of people nervous. But all I know to do is preach what Jesus taught me straight out of that. But I'm sorry, I didn't get what I, uh, what I got from a Southern Baptist seminary. I got it from reading and praying and studying and listening to thousands of other preachers preaching. Amen. I'm talking about godly men that knew the word and knew the spirit of God. And what I'm saying to you is God wants to get us to a place where we're spiritually minded. And we're not fighting this battle down here on the ground in the earthly realm with each other with with bylaws and stipulations and if we could think spiritual we could rise above all of those trappings that the devil has set up to cause us to get mad at each other and go no further with God 
So we got to have the preaching. Then that's, that's got to get us to praying. And then when we start uh, hearing the voice of God in our private prayer life, correcting us, convicting us, challenging us, changing us, we repent, we confess, we get it under the blood. Now we can get up and we can rise and minister, but not until instead of kicking against his proddings, we reach out and take his hand. You know what's going to lift you out of it? When you just take the hand of Jesus and let him lead you out. Just take the hand of Jesus and let him lead you out. Say, so come on. Oh, I know it's different than what you're used to, but I promise you, there's a lot greener pasture than where you got where you're at right now. Come on. Oh, you want some, uh, I know you like that rough water because at least you can get down and get a drink every once in a while, but have you seen my still water? Come on. And the Holy Ghost the whole time saying, come on. He's trying to lead you into green pasture and still water, and he's sending a lot of fiery preaching, and it makes you mad half the time, and you don't know what to do with yourself because, it, you know he's right, but somehow or another, how can he be so right and me be so wrong? Amen. And if you'll just open your Bible and read it and let the Holy Ghost teach you, you might come to the same conclusions that I have, that God has a far bigger plan than anything we can try to confine it to or define it by or any box we try to fit and make it fit through. Amen. Yeah. This is the kind of preaching that only those who have ears to hear will hear. And the rest, it'll just go over their head. I'm just being honest. And so I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit do the specific tagging and applying. Amen. The Lord spoke to me a few weeks ago and said, Start, just love those that are not hungry. And feed those that are. Let's just, y'all be fair, give me an honest assessment. Is this soul food? Okay. All right, so even though it is red hot, fiery preaching, I am feeding you. Okay, not me, the Lord. The Lord is feeding you through what he put on my heart to teach you. Okay, I just want to make, make sure we're on the same page. Because what I'm finding is that sometimes it's a double-edged sword. Sometimes he's feeding you while correcting you. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know what that means? His rod is for correction, his staff is for comfort. And it's one tool used for both situations. So we don't just need to ask God for uh, dessert. He wants to give us the whole meal. Amen, the appetizer, the main course, amen, the second plate, maybe the third plate, then dessert, right? Y'all with me, say amen. I lost my outline, praise God, there it is. As the old preacher said, I lost my outline, but I'm in line, glory. <laughs> All right, we need some red hot preaching. Now, the third thing is, we're down to now, if we'll yield and respond to the voice of God in our lives. And he starts healing us of bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, hatred, strife, rebellion, whatever it is that's in our lives, uh, sin, uh, whether known or unknown, private sin. We get healing. We get restoration in the presence. Now we can actually experience what I like to call red-hot practical application. He wants to light you up and send you out. Amen. He don't want you to just be mediocre. I know, I know I'm not talking about being somebody you're not. I know we all have different personalities. Some of us are by nature very quiet and timid people, and some of us by the very nature are very loud and flamboyant and all that. And God's going to use you in your personality, but no matter what personality you have, there should be some fervor and excitement and passion from the, coming from the presence of God that drives you to do more and be more for Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. Revelation 3.15, y'all all know it. I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou work cold or hot, but so then because thou art lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Verse uh, 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable, poor and blind and naked. You know why they were so ignorant of their lack of substance because they was measuring their substance by what they could hold in their bank accounts and in their hands and not by what was in their hearts. 
I'd just rather, hey, can I just be real with you? I'd just about rather take my chances with a ragtag, crippled, broke bunch of people that just trust God than I had the biggest church in town with all the money in town. Can I get an amen? Yeah. It's not about how big we can grow our bank accounts. It's how big God is and how we can go about making that known to the world. Mm. Glory to God. Because thou say, all right, verse, I counsel thee, he said then, to buy of me gold tried in the fire. You know why he's doing that? Because he knows that if you went to him to make a transaction with what you place value on, it has no worth whatsoever. He said, what I have got is tried in the fire. Amen. It's the difference in an economic world of fiat money versus what's backed by gold. God says, I'll give you something backed by my own gold. But you, right now, you think you've got something. You ain't got nothing. I've seen people, big churches, program God right out of everything. Amen. So systematic and rigid and formal that the Holy Ghost couldn't breathe in there if you want to suffocate God right out of the building. Amen. I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich in white raiment that thou mayest be clothed in that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, nor thine eyes with eyes salve that thou mayest see. Uh, and really, what he is asking for is, is you. He's asking you for you. Surrender. Not, not your money. If God has your heart, he has everything about you. There's nothing off limits to God in your life. You say, you say well, he's Lord of my life. Oh, is he? Or as, as, as Brother Adrian Rogers, he did a lot better job of it than I'm fixing to try to do. Brother Adrian Rogers, well, is he Lord of your finances? Uh, I don't remember what all his list was. I'm going to make up some. Is he Lord of your marriage? Is he Lord of your church? Is he Lord of the way you raise your children? Or is he just somebody that you should say on Sunday morning, well, that's my Lord. But then he has no difference, makes no difference in your life. Mm-hmm. If he's Lord, then he's Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. I'm talking about red-hot application, radical Christianity. Radical means original. It's not, it doesn't mean what, the way they define radicalism today. Uh, they define radicalism as something far-fetched. Amen, off the rails. But really, the original meaning of the word radical means original which means the pure thing, not the one that's off, but the one that's on. And if you go off the rails, then, then technically, if you really go by the truest definition, you're the one that's radical when you're veering from what God set up to start with. Amen. I want to be a radical Christian. Hallelujah. All right. So let me close with this. The title, When the Fever Breaks speaks of the results of when the fever breaks more so than the fact that it broke. Okay? She rose up and ministered. You want to know why uh, churches are squabbling? Because they ain't busy serving. If you, get, if you preoccupy yourself, commit thy works to your Lord, your thoughts will be established. If you get busy serving God, you won't have time to whine and complain and bellyache and find out why somebody else is doing something different than you and they shouldn't do it that way. I'm more biblical than they are, blah, blah. Just serve God and let God be God in their lives, please. Amen. Jesus, uh, the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, they're preaching. Uh, they don't have authority to preach. Or Jesus said, let them alone. If they're not against us, they're for us. Amen. Just let them alone. If you can't join with them, don't hurt them. Just do your thing and let God be Lord over them like you're letting them be Lord over you. Amen. All right, so she rose up and ministered. Now listen, I'm going to close, but listen, I've got to make this point. This is interesting to me. So in Mark 1.17, Jesus' earthly ministry begins. And he started preaching. We done showed you that verse, repent for the kingdom of heaven. Then he said, uh, unto them, come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. This is the red-hot application. He wants to make you a fisher of men. Straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. Ooh, that helped me. You know, I've beat myself up a little bit since I've moved here. You know why I've beat myself up? 
because I've incurred losses that I never calculated for and never didn't see coming financially. And the devil says, see what you did? You done hurt your credit. You done hurt your name. You can't pay your bills. You sorry. No, you know how the devil does. I'm just being real, y'all. I am just being real as the nose on my face. Amen. And then I read it over here straightway. They forsook their nets and followed. They just walked away from everything to just follow him because they trusted they'd take care of it. And I'm trusting he's going to take care of me too. By the way, he is. And he has. And he forever shall, for forevermore shall. Amen. And I'm, I'm, I ain't got the mullet grubs this morning. It's been a challenge, but God's giving me victory to overcome step by step, minute by minute, moment by moment. He confirms time and again. Boy, you did the right thing. You heard my voice. Just keep going. Wait, I, I'm not done yet. Just wait till I get through. Amen. I have not seen and ear hath not heard, neither hath entered into the heart those that believe the thing that God has prepared for those that love him. And God is saying, hey, just keep plowing, boy. And God will do that for you too. Sometimes God will ask you to do something that don't make sense. Sometimes God will ask a church to do something that don't make sense on paper. Walk away from your religion and listen to the Holy Ghost. Verse 27, they were all amazing so much that they questioned among themselves saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth even the unclean spirit, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. They couldn't, they couldn't get their heads wrapped around him. Amen. And then after Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law, the Bible said that even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils and all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of divers diseases and cast out many devils. I mean, revival done broke out. After she rose up and ministered, People got to hearing the whispers. Did you hear about Peter's mother-in-law? Jesus just took her by the hand, lifted her right out of her bed of affliction. There she went to ministry. Next thing you know, the Bible says that the whole city gathered together at the door. Do you want the whole city of Thompson, Georgia to be at the door of Washington Heights Baptist Church uh, wanting to know what in the world God's doing over there? I don't know about you, uh, but we better get busy following the Holy Ghost if we want to have that kind of impact. You say, I don't want the whole city over here. Then you're not in the right place in your heart with God because God wants everybody to be saved. And who are we to stop them at the door and say, we don't have room for you. You're not welcome here. Who are we to shut the gate of heaven to the lost? Who are we to control and manipulate the, the trappings of man ray religion to the extent uh, that we put a cap on what God wants to blow the roof off of? Why would we entertain these doctrines of devils that shut the gospel voice from reaching more and more for Jesus because we just want to do it the way we've always done it. Mm -hmm. So revival broke out. All of a sudden they showed up. I'm praying there'll be noise abroad. Jesus in the house. Mark 1.38, and he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. The word was so big he couldn't just share it with one group. He had to go tell it everywhere. Amen. He said, Why in the world, preacher, are you so evangelist and minor? Why are you off, always off, running off out of town preaching somewhere? Because they also need to hear about Jesus. And by the way, God called me to be both a pastor and an evangelist. And if you don't think that's biblical, study what the apostle Paul told Young Pastor Timothy, who he also instructed to do the work of an evangelist. I don't think that what I'm doing should be the rare thing. It should be the normal thing for most pastors. Can I get an amen? And I, I would not dare rebuke my beloved pastors whom I love dearly because many of them, if not most of them, if not all of them, are very evangelistic minded. But they too have to fight the constraints that sometimes devils and sometimes men put on them to limit them in their capacity to reach more. <sighs> mm. And watch this, verse 39. He preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee. What did he do there? He cast out devils. 
Now, Amy, admittedly, I would have thought that if he was casting devils out, he would have, he would have been going to the streets. Because, you know, them whores, you know what I'm saying, them thieves, them liars, them thugs, them no accounts. I figured that's where he'd find all them devils. But no, he found them camped out in the synagogues. And Jesus knew if I'm going to do anything here, the first thing is, uh, is I'm going to have to take spiritual authority and cast out the spiritual spirits that have taken prominence over this place. And I hereby rebuke every foul, uh, rebellious spirit in this building this morning right now in the name of Jesus because God is in charge. Amen. You say, that sounds a little too Pentecostal for me. It's not Pentecostal. It's Bible. Read it. Amen. I ain't scared of using Bible language. Because there are religious devils. Uh, the very first message I ever heard Amy's daddy preach was called the devil goes to church. Uh, one of the churches in the book of Revelation was called the synagogue of Satan. If, if there is a place the devil's going to hang out every Sunday morning, it's going to be the church. Because this is the pillar and ground of truth. This is where he either wins or loses his battle. So you better believe he's going to be sitting on your shoulder before you ever get here, giving you all the reasons why you shouldn't come. And then after you get here, giving you all the reasons why you should just get agitated. Me and the preacher's too loud and the preacher's too long-winded and the, and the singer's this and blah, blah, blah. And all the devil's just filling your head so that you don't get the message that could transform your life. And then the fire keeps going. Here's the question. What is the fever that was sent by God addressing in your life. What pathogens, what infections, what spiritual illnesses do you personally struggle with the most? What area needs revival in your life? Is it apathy? Is it bitterness? Is it unforgiveness? Is it Rebellion is it hatred? Is it deception? Is it trickery? Is it abuse? Is it pain from the past? Whatever it is, the Lord has a fever hot enough to burn it out of your soul. And the Holy Spirit is the common denominator. And everything that we've touched on, the preaching, the praying, the application, none of that can touch you without the aid and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So as we have an invitation, if you are struggling or know someone struggling with any of these areas, or if you just want to pray for your beloved church that God would send the revival that he so desperately has made evident that he wants to send, would you come pray and yield to the wooings and the convictions of the Holy Spirit of God? Church, let's pray. The altar's open. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy right and true with thanksgiving I'll be a living sanctuary for you do it again Lord prepare me to be a sanctuary Pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. of love that's calling me there's a chair that waits for you and a friend who understands 
church do you want revival and let's start praying like it let's start acting like it let's start worshiping like it let's start responding like it let's start doing what God's called us to do I'm not saying that some of you ain't already but we could use more in the army that are on fire for God go ahead Joe Savior, any calls, bring it all 